What famous woman is the only woman to appear on a U.S. currency note? Why do Canadians love Star Trek so much? This is Season 7 of Totally Useless Information with Nick and Roy. Listen, laugh, and learn. Hi, I'm Nick. And I'm Roy. And we scoured the internet this week to find these facts for you. We'll also answer your mailbag questions and in news from around the world, the king, his teddy, and his toilet seat. Totally useless information. It's everything you never needed to know. Wall Street, Bay Street, NASDAQ, Penseng, Loonies, Toonies, Dollars, and Yens. This is On The Money with Nick and Roy. She sounds so serious when she does that, huh? She's, uh, she's handling the money, Nick. Oh, she's handling a lot more than that. Got uh, the money. <laughs> are pawn shops financial institutions? Listen carefully. Are pawn shops financial I, institutions? Do you go to the pawn shop a lot? Because I do there. Sometimes they have like, you can get two videos. No, for 10 no, bucks. no, no, no. That's not, that's the kind of stuff they're exchanging right there. A pawn shop is a store or a form of business that lends money to consumers who carry valuable items to be pawned, P-A-W-N-E-D. Don't get well, that. Well, some of those videos I I bought, I consider valuable items. That's right. because you, I use them a lot. <laughs> and you're also in them. These valuables are referred to as collateral. Hold on to your assets, basically, right? The precious <laughs> assets will be returned only... Uh, will be returned from the pawnbroker after the loan money and interest have been repaid. So, yes, they are considered to be non-bank financial institutions. Oh, really? Yeah. So the pawn shop is a financial institution. That is correct, sir, because they handle your assets. In a 2008, Zimbabwe, Africa experienced a massive hyperinflation. Mm -hmm. Somebody contact Joe Biden. In fact... One U.S. dollar was worth over two billion Zimbabwe dollars. Can you imagine? So if you went there with one dollar, you were an instant billionaire. Wow. The only unfortunate thing is a loaf of bread cost about ten billion. <laughs> <laughs> Can you imagine? So a loaf of bread was five bucks. So the hyperinflation kicked in, and it, you don't, you don't, you know, you don't beat the system. No, you know? not at all. But somebody should should definitely wake Joe Biden up. What time is it? Uh, two, three o'clock in the afternoon. It's, yeah, they should wake him up. It is somewhere. <laughs> get up from nappy nap, Joe. <laughs> <laughs> hey, uh, so speaking of U.S. currency, how unlucky is thirteen? The number thirteen has great significance, which can be seen in the design of the dollar bill. 13 steps on the pyramid, 13 vertical bars on the shield. There are 13 horizontal stripes on the top of the shield. There are 13 stars above the eagle, 13 leaves and 13 berries on the olive branch that in one of the eagle's talons, and on its other, there are 13 arrows. So 13, oh, wow. my guess is that because there were 13 original colonies, that's why the U.S. dollar has so many 13s in it. Yeah. 
Yeah, well, at the pawn shop, they call that a baker's dozen. When you buy 12 videos, you get 13. That's, That's right, yes. Dozen. Yeah, again, <laughs> hold your assets. Only 8% of the world's currency is money. Oh. Did you hear that? Only 8% is physical money. The other 92% is digital, meaning you'd never see it, touch it, feel it. It just changes hands digitally or commodities. So only 8% is actual physical money, hmm. which which I have probably 1% of that, of the world's currency, because yeah. <laughs> I hate using credit so, cards. <laughs> so you can't touch it or feel it. Again, going back to the pawn shop. Yes, you can't. No, you can't. You can go in there and look, but you can't touch and feel the employees. Absolutely not. That's a no-no, Nick. Yeah, not anymore after the lawsuit. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Under the Coinage Act of 1792, I remember it well. See, I beat you to it. Gold coins had different values, including $2.50. This gold coin had a name, a nickname. It was called the Quarter Eagle. The $5 gold coin was named Half Eagle. And the $10 gold coin was called an Eagle. Oh. Now, if you think those (laughs) names are weird, other than Roy, wait till you find out what people call money in other parts of the world. So in Denmark, for example, the nickname for their money is called a Toad. A Toad. A Toad. In Spain, I told you, in Spain, they call it Pasta, which is weird. You would think Italy would call their money pasta but anyway in australia they refer to their currency as lobster and in germany they refer to the nickname for their currency is mosquito yeah and we were talking to jeff remember and his father called it dough dough that's right you had a different name for it too uh nickname was uh for money it's like (laughs) okay the translation is escrow which means greens and but it's yeah, it's it's a slang oh, term. Scarol in your pocket. You pay cash yeah. money, no tax. Is that a big uh, water scarol in your pocket, or are you just happy to see me? The only woman. This is my teaser, folks. The only woman to appear on a U.S. currency note was Martha Washington. Oh. Yep. On the $1 silver certificate issued in 1886. It was only issued for a few years, and she was placed on that bill. Have you ever seen a picture of Martha Washington? No, I haven't. Is she at the pawn shop? No, they would never hang her up in the pawn shop. It's a, it's a big turnoff, Nick. <laughs> it's in the birth control section. <laughs> she looked like like Barbara Bush, but even more manly. Oh, no. (laughs) Now, you said that that she was the only woman on the U.S. dollar note. Years ago, the United States was considering having a $1 coin. Yes. And Susan B. Anthony was supposed to be on that coin. She was. But But it was a disaster. Because of, you know, I think I know why. Because in the United States, Americans do not like change. No, but that's pretty funny. Thank you. (laughs) But the reason why Susan B. Anthony Dollar was a disaster was because the the idiots at the United States government made it just a little bit bigger than a quarter, and people were giving it out as quarters, and it was a dollar, so nobody wanted it. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Again, don't like change. So you gave your teaser. Well, I'm going to give you my teaser, okay? 
This is okay. what we do here on Totally Useless Information with Nick and Roy. The Canadian $5 bill. Star Trek seems to be really, really popular here in Canada. I'm in Toronto, Canada. Roy is in Florida. For years, Canadians have been known to deface certain editions of the $5 bill by using pens to alter Sir Laurier's face. And they made him look like Spock from Star Trek. And this was known as Spocking Fives. Now you're thinking, Mm -hmm. well, why are Canadians allowed to deface the Canadian currency? Well, according to the Bank of Canada, it is not illegal. They ask people not to do it, but it's still not illegal. So don't do it. And what was the guy's name? Uh, Sir Laurier. Oh, I knew his cousin, Sir Laurie B. (laughs) (laughs) That's right. There you go. (laughs) The gold rush of 1849. Most people that study history, they know about the gold rush of 1849. It's the reason why a lot of people went out west towards California. Mm -hmm. It makes San Francisco and other towns that we know today. But it was not the first gold rush. In fact, not even close. The first gold rush happened some 50 years later in 1799 was the actual first gold rush. It was the gold rush of North Carolina. A 12-year-old boy found 17 pounds, a a single nugget of gold weighing 17 pounds. So, of course, the news traveled fast. And that became the big gold rush. So it was 1799, North Carolina. Now, um, I had told you in the previous fact that the Bank of Canada says you cannot, you, it is not illegal. So yeah, They just, don't like you spocking around. No, no spocking around now. So I'll elaborate a little bit more on that. They got smart and changed the image to be less Spock worthy. So they changed the image a little bit so people were not inclined to change the the, uh, the currency, yeah, to face and, the currency. In their infinite wisdom, he looks just like Captain Kirk now. That's right. Exactly. <laughs> because as Spock once said on the show, once you have eliminated the impossible, whatever remains, however improbable, must be the truth. You're a plagiarist. Exactly. <laughs> I couldn't have written it better myself. You're listening to Totally Useless Information with Nick and Roy. Where do expressions come from? We want to know right now. I got an expression for you. Sure. Jaywalking. Jaywalking. Yes. You know how that expression comes about? No. If, if somebody's crossing the street the wrong way, they go, oh, he's a jaywalker or she's a jaywalker. Right. The jaybirds would get, they would go into the cities because the cities were building up. And the, the, the space was not available for trees anymore. So jaybirds would go into the cities. They would get disoriented. And so they would they would stop flying. They'd go down into the street. And they'd just start walking around. And they created accidents and got killed and so on and so forth. So that became the term. Oh, look, there's a jaywalker for people that were not going to the corner and were walking and disturbing traffic. Really interesting. I mean, in some jurisdictions, jaywalking is illegal. And so if the cop uh, catches you jaywalking, you can get a ticket. Yeah. And and another walker, I was by the pawn shop and there was a street walk. <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> she wasn't jaywalking. She was like, hey, walking. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, where did the word mausoleum come from? 
mausoleum from the Greek language derives from the mausoleum at Hali Karnassus, which is modern-day Turkey. The oh, grave cool. of King Mausolus, whose large tomb was one of the seven wonders of the ancient world. So the word mausoleum that comes from the Greek language and the grave of King Mausolus, which is one of the mm. largest Greek tombs. So there you go. That's where, where the word mausoleum comes from. Cool. See, that's a good one, folks. Yeah. How about this expression, kick the bucket? Oh. It kind of ties in with the mausoleum thing. Yes, first you kick the bucket, <laughs> and then you get uh, buried in the mausoleum. Exactly. After you go to the pawn shop, but that's another story again. <laughs> okay, kick the bucket. Cows go to get slaughtered, and they get put them on line, and they put a bucket underneath their neck, and they cut their necks so that the cow bleeds to death. Mm. The bucket is supposed to catch the blood, but in some cases, when they cut the nerves in the neck, the cow kicks out and knocks the bucket away. Oh. So they said, oh, look, he kicked the bucket. Excellent. I like and that, that one. Became, do you like that, folks? There you go. There's a good one to tell your friends. Kick the bucket. That's right. And with the holidays coming around the corner, what great way to open up a conversation and say, hey, did you know yeah. that when they slaughtered cows... This is where the expression kick the bucket came from. It's a great conversation for a first date and everything. Yeah, oh, 100%. 100%. That's the scuttlebutt I hear. Scuttlebutt. (laughs) The scuttlebutt. Nick gets when he sits for too long. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, at my age, I get scuttlebutt all the time. There's a cream for that now, I think. The scuttlebutt was the drinking fountain on a ship. When the crew would gather around for a drink, the sailors would exchange rumors of the voyage. Mm. And a scuttle, by the way, means drill and a butt in a cask. Okay? And so they would gather around. And in today's offices, of course, the scuttle butt takes place at the water cooler where all kinds of gossip is, is exchanged. Scuttle butt. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. That nuts that, that that would be the same thing years later. It's, it's just nuts. Let your hair down. Ladies, let your hair down pretty sense i mean it makes a lot of sense back in the 1700s women would spend hours and hours in the morning to have their hair put into these elaborate updos it took sometimes two servants and hours to do so by the time those women got home they were like i gotta get this stuff out of my hair it's driving me crazy i gotta relax and let my hair down. Wow. So the term to relax is, come on, just kick back, let your hair down. So what did you say when the women have what an updo? Yes. Yes, I have a downdo. <laughs> you have no do. No do. <laughs> exactly. You know, what was one of my hairlines? I said, uh, I don't part my hair anymore. My hair parted with me. Yeah. <laughs> Nick, they just say, come on, relax, let your scalp down. That's right. <laughs> Well, so Roy and I are high school friends. We, were, we know each other over 40, well, 42 years now, I guess. And so in high school, I was voted in the yearbook most likely to recede. Yeah. Nick doesn't have a forehead. He just has head. <laughs> hip, hip, hooray for the king. Hip, hip, hooray for the king was recently heard because of the king. King Charles III became king. Uh, the, the call was recorded in England in the beginning of the 19th century in connection with making a toast. 18th century dictionaries list hip 
as an attention-getting interjection. So they'd be sitting at the table. Nowadays, we just clink the glass. But back then, whenever they were ready to make a toast, they would say, hip. And in an example in 1790, it was repeated because I guess people didn't hear the first hip. So then they repeated it again. They went, hip, hip. Maybe it was just an older crowd. Hip, hip. Well, hip. (laughs) And they needed to. Somebody to repeat it. (laughs) No, it was hip, hip, and then they all replaced them. Hip replacement. Okay, sure. So hip, hip was added as a preparatory call for making a toast. In the early 19th century, probably after 1806, by 1813, it had reached its modern form, which is hip, hip, hooray. And so, like I said, when King Charles III became king, they yelled out, hip, hip, hooray for the king. That's funny. The other day I was driving past the pawn shop and I saw a sign that said 50% off and I was like, hip, hip, hooray! Yeah, exactly. All the bras in in that store, all the bras were half off. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my God. Rubbed the wrong way. You ever hear that expression? I don't know. They just rubbed me the wrong way. Yeah, well, the last... that you don't like them. Well, in the 18th century, servants, after they were done putting the woman's hair up, They would go and they would begin to clean the wooden floors. And of course, wood has a grain. And so you have to clean the floors at that time. They would would dry clean them and wet clean them. And so if they rubbed the wrong direction of the wood, it would actually make the wood look hazy and scratched. Uh And of course, the owners of the home would be upset. And they'd come home and say, look at this. They rubbed it the wrong way. And it just became the saying, you rubbed me the wrong way. Wow. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Okay. Well, when they made a toast, hip, hip, parade, they proposed a toast. Where did the expression proposing a toast come from? Well, toast was associated with the custom in the 17th century. and was based on the custom of flavoring drinks with spiced toast. Now, you're probably asking, well, what's spiced toast? You go ahead and ask me. Yeah, what Nick? What is spice toast? I'm glad you asked. Was that right? good? Yeah, it's, it was excellent. <laughs> okay. They flavor these uh, the before they toast the bread with sugar, ginger, and green herbs, and then they toast them, and then they put them in the drinks to flavor them. The word originally referred to the lady in whose honor the drink was proposed. Her name being seen as figuratively flavoring the drink. Ah, uh, so they toasted the herbs. That's right. And then they got toasted. Oh, yeah. They definitely got <laughs> toasted. Exactly. And they made a toast to the little bit pretty lady over there. I like to make a toast. I mean, come on. Think about it, though. It's so it's so ridiculous, though, that we we take these words and we, we link them up to something. And then we stretch it even out further. I got toasted. That's right. And, and of course, everybody knows that that means you're drunk. And someday we'll probably use that as one of the expressions. <laughs> That's right, because we're that innovative here. We're totally, no, yeah, totally useless right. information with Nick and Roy. Now, one other note now. So usually when you're making a toast, you're clinking glasses. Okay. Yeah. It's been said that when, when toasting, it was a way to avoid being poisoned. Back uh-huh. in the days, in the days of nights, when poisoning Someone's Wait, drink would, in the days of nights. In the days of nights. In the in the days when the knights lived, 
You was that the, was that uh, daylight savings time? No, 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 no. It's 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 daylight saving by time. By the oh, way, oh, you yeah. mean a night like the Knights Templar? That's correct. With the armor, uh, see, uh, in the days of night. Yeah. yeah right. So in the days of night, you know who our audience is. Now. That's right, exactly. <laughs> mm-hmm. And they're toasted. Back in the days when, back in the days, good for them. That's right. I was hip hip. hip. <laughs> hip hip for the night so when they used to poison a foe's drink it was a convenient way to murder them so it was believed that the glasses were filled right to the brim and they clinked hard a bit of the alcohol from each glass would pour into the other mixing ah. drinks and then taking a sip was a gesture that the drinks were unharmed go ahead you go first no you go first alright sure crazy there you go yes. Weird time at killing people like that. In the days of night. You're listening to Totally Useless Information with Nick and Roy. We thank you very much for listening. All 66 countries now around the globe are listening to us. You know what? We're really popular, and this is based on the latest downloads that I was checking because we find out how many people listen to our show approximately. Also, where what country they're from, and apparently we're really popular in Turks and Caicos. Turks and Caicos. Turks and Caicos. So hello to the Turks and the Caicos. Have you ever been to Turks and Caicos? No, have you? I have. And? I have. Not only was I there, I literally went into their, like, town and everything like that. And I was told that it, it was not much to see there. And it was actually beautiful. Turks and Caicos is a really pretty island. And I would definitely move there. I love it. You know what? You'll be the really the popular person in the town because I'm the Roy. I know. I'm of quite the Wright. celebrity in Turks and Caicos. You sure are. <laughs> You know, Nick, you know, one quick story about Turks and Caicos. Yes. There's there's donkeys and horses and everything running around in the streets. Wow. Okay. They don't they don't corral them in. They just let them walk around. So cars would stop because there was just this horse in the middle of the street. It's crazy. Which is why you fit right in. You're listening to Totally Useless Information with Nick and Roy. Down the garden path with Nick and so you've heard of money plants no we're not saying that money grow on grows on trees because money doesn't grow on trees i don't care what they say no these are money plants and five leaves on each branch of the money plant represent the five elements of feng shui ah metal wood water fire and earth money plants are known to bring good luck and prosperity to the home not only are they pleasing to the eyes, but they also spread positivity in the place. Oh, wow. Yeah. Chinese uh, Feng shui. Chinese medicine, too. Earth, wind, uh, earth, uh, earth, wind, and fire. fire. That's a great group. Earth, yeah. wind, and fire. They're very good. Yeah. 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 I remember. I was listening to them once in September. <laughs> <laughs> I do remember. Next time you stick a French fry in your face, Nick. Yeah. Do you do that? Uh, last I you checked, like yes. Fries, Nick? Yeah, it they taste better that way. Yeah, you like potato chips? You like you? Are you a big potato person? Uh, as a matter of fact, uh, just before we started uh, this recording session, I had a nice, wonderful walloping of uh, walloping, a dollop of mashed potatoes. Mm. The Yukon, yeah, I like potatoes. Yukon goals, mm, they are delicious. Yeah, I'm a good. I love. A good potato and steak. Mm. But next time you, you, you eat potatoes, yeah. you say to yourself, where did the potato come from? The potato farmer? I guess, Nick. Idaho? 
Idaho. Alaska. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? Let's do that again. Okay. So you're I'll, just we'll, gonna throw states out there. <laughs> okay, hold on. So we're gonna pull back the curtain. We're gonna redo that. Okay. So you're gonna ask yeah. me, do you know where? Okay, Roy. Okay. So uh, this this is not a, an edit that was left in. This is intentionally yeah. intentionally redoing this for the audience. We're taking a little yeah. peek behind the curtain. In three, two. What do you want me to ask you? Well, where the potatoes come from. Oh, okay. Here we go again. Uh, where did potatoes come from, Nick? Idaho. Alaska. <laughs> See, to the audience members who are still sticking around, aren't you glad you did? Oh, my God. I wish the hook would come out. <laughs> it's like Wardville. Okay. Potatoes come seven. They date back so far, they, they realize from, from finding these artifacts. Okay. 7,000 years from Peru. Peru. The oldest potatoes have been found in Peru 7,000 years ago. Wow. And that's mm -hmm. nowhere near Idaho. No, absolutely not. But they asked some of the people in Peru 7,000 years ago, mm -hmm. and they said, we prefer McDonald's fries. They were loving it way back when. There you go. <laughs> now, uh, we, of all the trees that we've seen around, you know, you have trees down in Florida. We have trees up here in, in Canada. We have all kinds of uh, beautiful trees, evergreens, uh, all kinds of wonderful cedars up here. You have mainly palm trees in Florida, I would say. No. I see that's a big misconception. It palm is. trees are not indigenous to Florida. They were brought here by the Spanish. Oh. Um, they, they are not indigenous to the state of Florida. The pine tree, because we have many pine barrens, the pine tree is the actual tree of Florida. So you see, we I just learned something. Listen, laugh, and learn. I just learned something on this show. Sure. We have a lot of uh, uh, black oaks and palm, uh, palm trees are growing all over the place. Now we have so many different varieties now. Yeah. But, but the, the pine tree is the official tree of Florida. Uh, I don't know if it's the official tree, but it is the indigenous tree of Florida. That would be a great trivia question, a great trick trivia question. Mm -hmm. What is indigenous to the state of Florida? They'll say the palm tree. Uh, wrong. You don't win the nope. car. The pawn shop. The pawn shop. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. And grab your roots in there. Okay. <laughs> Earth is four point. Stick your root. That's right. Stick your root in there and like it. Earth is about four and a half billion years old, last we checked, and plants may have colonized land as recently as 470 million years ago. Did you actually witness this, Nick? No, I didn't, because I was 471 million years old. Which most likely mosses and liverworts. Have you ever had a liverwort? You know, I, not that I tell people about. That's right. You know? That's where you. That's where you get the scuttlebutt from. Anyway, without deep roots, the vascular plants followed around 420 million years ago. But even for tens and millions of years after that, no plants grew more than about three feet off of the ground. So therefore, trees were not around for about 90% of the Earth's history. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's very interesting. Sure. You know, we spoke about the strawberry. Oh, yeah. Having the seeds on the outside. It's the only fruit that bears their seed on the outside of the plant. If you ever look at a strawberry, it has all those little pricky things on it, mm -hmm. so to speak, of the strawberry. Ooh. And so that led me to, well, after eating one of those um, THC gummies, I said, well, wow, how many? 
I needed to find out how many actual seeds are on approximately on each strawberry. It's 200. 200 seeds. I, you know what? I, I don't doubt it at all because every time I eat a strawberry, a couple of them get in stuck in my teeth. I tried to count them, but I just kept eating them. So. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> you you could always count it the next day, I guess. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> when you floss, you mean. Yeah. When you yeah. floss. Uh-huh. Uh, That's exactly what I meant. Exactly. The bark of the white willow contains salicin, which is a chemical similar to acetosalic, hold on, ASA, which is aspirin. Acetosalicylic, uh, basically it's similar to aspirin is what I'm saying. ASA. You said it contains salicin? Yes. I knew his cousin, Joacin. <laughs> <laughs> Joe. Yeah. Anyway, the bark of the white willow tree, um, in combination with the herb's powerful anti-inflammatory plant compounds called flavonoids, salicin is thought to be responsible for the pain-relieving and anti-inflammatory effects of the herb. So the bark of the white yellow tree is what gives us the same properties as aspirin. So go suck on the bark of a tree. Which is the, the um, most influential drug of all times, aspirin. Aspirin. Wow. Yes. Amazing, right? Broccoli and cauliflower are two of my favorites. Yeah, but not two your... Two of my favorite vegetables. Yeah, yeah, but not the members of your household. No, not the next day. No, nope, <laughs> no. But what I do is if I have a good helping of broccoli and cauliflower, yeah. just the kicks, I go to like an office building and ride up and down in the elevator. <laughs> <laughs> not, not as funny for them, but... Yes. They are the only vegetables, folks, that are classified... As not only vegetables, they're classified as flowers. Really? Thus the name cauliflower. Oh, right, of course, yes. And it's cauliflower, but cauliflower. Right. And broccoli, have they come in florets, right? So like flowers of broccoli. Florets, right. They are flowers. Very good. Mm -hmm. Boy, you're just cool. full, you're full of great, useful information today. Not useful. Yeah, it's kind of what I do. Yeah. <laughs> <That's right. laughs> but I'm not at the pawn shop. I'm spewing all this stuff. That's right. Exactly. <laughs> hey, brother plant. Plants can actually recognize their siblings and give them preferential treatment, competing less for valuable resources like root space, when surrounded by plants that are strangers. So could you imagine plants recognize that their other plants are part of the same family, siblings, as it were, and so they give them preferential treatment. So there's no sibling rivalry there. That's wild, huh? Yeah, it's crazy. Stuff. In a show coming up, I'm going to talk about, when we talk about animals, I'm going to talk about dolphins. Dolphins actually give each other names. They do. Yes, and they know their names. All right. So it's yeah, it's amazing. I'm going to discuss the science behind it. Nick and I can see each other. You guys can't. Nick, do you know what that is? That to me looks like a wishbone. It is. It is a wishbone from a a fowl. Okay. And um, have you ever heard of the wishbone flower plant? No, I've heard of wishbone salad dressing and wishbone Insult. at Thanksgiving dinner. No. Inside of the wishbone flower plant, the stamen, which is basically like the, the area for the seed. Yes. The stamen <laughs> is shaped exactly like this wishbone. Really? There's multiple, multiple stamens in there, yes. So it is called the wishbone plant. So it's like I went to school and brought like show and tell. 
It's so funny, too. I did that at the pawn shop last week. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. That's awesome. Uh, um, so I, um, yeah, so in a future episode, let's go back to uh, the previous uh, fact that you said. You will bring up uh, all about dolphins coming up because um, what we do is here on the show on Totally Useless Information with Nick and Roy, we actually uh, have over 17 or 18 topics, I guess, at this point, and then we just rotate them. And when Animal comes up in the rotation, so stay tuned, keep listening to Totally Useless Information with Nick and Roy. Now, you can go to our website. It's the simplest thing. We made the website simple so we can understand it. The website, Roy, is? NickandRoy.com. Folks, go on to our website and click on birthday messages. This is becoming the hottest thing. Nick and I can't even keep up with them. It is so please, folks, if you're going to click on birthday message, make sure that you, you order the birthday uh, message uh, at least three, four weeks out, at least, because... We need the time to get it done because we have so many people responding to this. It is the greatest gift ever to get somebody. It's great. It's uh, the gift that you give to someone who has nothing or everything. And this will be everything to them. The reason why we need that amount of, that amount of time is because we need to do some research and gather some totally useless information about the day that they were born. So the guest of honor gets to find out all kinds of neat stuff like that. The most popular response we get is we didn't think you guys would put so much effort into this. So much attention to detail. We really thank you. So I think there's a compliment in there somewhere. But we really take this seriously because we feel that this is such a special thing. Go to nickandroy.com. And click on birthdays. Also, when you go to nickandroy.com, you can click on contact us and send us an email. What's in the mailbag? What's in the mail? Billy, 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 Billy from Grand Rapids, Michigan says, Dear Nick oh, and Billy, 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 Billy. Oh, Billy, 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 Peru. That's where <laughs> potatoes are from. That's from that's from the movie Caddyshack. Oh, when he's right. going to putt at the end, yes. and he says, "Give me the old Billy Baru." <laughs> it's a little putter. Yeah, oh, Billy, 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 Billy. Dear Nick and Roy, we love listening to your show every week. We are amazed as, as to how much useless information you guys know. What is it with these uh, uh, these passive aggressive compliments? We're amazed at how much useless information you guys know. Well, this is what we do. This is what we live for. Here's my question. I play football, and when my friends make a great play, I slap him in the ass. No, when my friends make a great play, <laughs> we, <laughs> we high-five them. What I want to know is where did the high-five come from? I want to be able to tell my friends that you guys told me how it all got started. Thanks, and here is a high-five to you guys. So a high-five from Billy, Billy, Billy from Grand Rapids. Oh, Billy, Billy. <laughs> Billy, Billy. So uh, thank you, Billy, for listening, and thank you for uh, not slapping our ass. But there are many origins of the story of where the high-five came from. But the two most documented candidates are Dusty Baker, which, by the way, is the most recent World Series manager, the winner of the World Series, the Houston Astros. So congratulations to Houston and their manager, Dusty Baker, and teammate Glenn Burke of the Los Angeles Dodgers. They basically went and gave each other a high five on October 2nd, 1977. 
And the other instance was Wiley Brown and Derek Smith of the Louisville Cardinals men's college basketball team during the 1978-79 season. They also, instead of giving five at, like, you know, uh, stomach height, they gave each other a high five above their head. So thank you, Billy, 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 Billy from Grand Rapids, Michigan. Oh, and bringing up uh, Texas because the Houston uh, team won. Yes. I picked Marcus from Austin, Texas, nice. which is another cool town, real artsy, cool town, Austin, Texas. Mm-hmm. He says, how come none of the crazy news that you discuss at the end of the show comes from Texas? And what's up with Florida, with all you crazy people in Florida? And he wrote, just kidding. Well, Marcus, I don't think you're kidding. <laughs> <laughs> yes. But we're going to find, in the next few shows, we're certainly going to look up and find out uh, a bunch of people who uh, have done crazy stuff in Texas. So we promise you that we will, we will um, do that. Yeah, there's plenty of um, plenty of opportunities for us. So we'll check that out, and you tune in, tune in to totally useless information with Nick and Roy in a future show. So lots of great reasons to listen to us for oh, many yeah. weeks to come. You're listening to Totally Useless Information with Nick and Roy. And now for something completely useless. I want to use my useless uh, thing here, Nick, to uh, thank thank the people of Florida. Uh, you know, we, we don't normally, you know, put a time frame on things like that. But um, the hurricane that came through, Ian, devastated uh, southwest Florida. And um, the people of Florida are the most resilient, unbelievable people that, I, I mean, they are a testament to, to just coming together as a group and helping out each other and helping neighbors and, and so on. And then on top of that, we have a governor and, and a staff here in Florida, government in Florida, that is just so for the people that they just stepped right in. Our, our power companies, or everybody, just, I mean, people coming from all over the country to help out. This was this was really something else. So here, here, hip, hip, to, <laughs> to uh, Governor DeSantis, fantastic job. And the people, the people, mainly of the state of florida fantastic great job yep congratulations we're so happy to hear that everything was uh was okay from your perspective roy uh i mean you wouldn't know it because when uh when we released these uh, these episodes uh, week after week if you noticed it might have been a week or two that we've skipped uh roy and i hadn't recorded in easily three weeks uh, because roy was uh, busy putting his house back together again yeah exactly um, but yeah. uh other people weren't as fortunate but uh like Roy said, lots of help around the state of Florida, and uh, even though the story of the hurricane is, you know, weeks behind us, there's uh, it's never too late to send a donation to the Red Cross and look up, uh, you look up any of the legitimate um, fundraisers that they have for the people of uh, Southwest exactly. Florida. Exactly, and after you do that, which that is most important, then you just send to Nick and I, www.nickandroy.com. <laughs> no, don't do that. No, 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 no. So thank you for that. Thank you for all your loose change. There you go. So all of your Susan B. Anthony coins that you thought were quarters, but they're dollars. That's right. All right. So uh, my useless fact. Thank you, Roy, for that. So he used up his useless fact time to thank the people of Florida. Uh, Have you ever been to the circus, uh, Roy? I'm not talking about the people around your neighborhood. Have you been to the circus? 
the pawn shop I go to. No, that's a different guy. like a circus. Well, you know what? They might have one of these. How about the trapeze? I haven't been. Well, I shouldn't say that. Uh -huh. I went to a circus. I went to a circus uh, about maybe five, six years ago. And it was real cool. Okay. So if the audience, if you will allow me, just, just bear with me for a moment here. Uh, Roy and I are best friends. Many, many years ago, Roy, we went to the circus at Why Madison at Madison Square Garden. The year was 1987, and I remember oh that because God. that was the year that I bought my, my uh, Cutlass Sierra International Series. Oh and we went, God. first we went to the auto show at, uh, at the uh, Javits Convention Center in New York City, and you guys were eyeing a, a, a um, convertible Ferrari or something. And Roy and his wife were pretending they didn't know each other, and they were eyeing the car, and they circle around, and all of a sudden, they start embracing, and they start making out next to this, this Ferrari. <laughs> and, I, and, I, and I knew what they were doing, so I would say to the people next to me, oh, my goodness, I can't believe it. They just met. You talk about love at first sight. And they really <laughs> thought that you guys didn't know each other. That was hilarious. And then we went to the circus. We had a great time at, at the uh, at the circus. So all this to say that we spent some time at the circus, which is why we act like a couple of clowns here, on totally useless information with Nick and Roy. Now, the trapeze, which you might also find at the uh, pawn shop, the trapeze was invented in 1859 by a French performer, Jules Leotard. Did you know him? No, I didn't. <laughs> Did not. Uh, the word trapeze comes from the Latin word trapezium, which is a geometrical four-sided figure that is mimicked by the shape made by the ceiling, ropes, and bar in a trapeze. If you remember, if the name Jules Leotard sounds familiar, it's because he also created the one-piece gym wear that now bears his name, the Leotard. Oh, boy. Wow. There you go. Wow. There you have it. That's crazy. It even inspired that 1867 song, which I sang, uh, you know, in grade one. Uh, the Daring Young Man and the Flying Trapeze at the Pawn Shop. You're listening to Totally <laughs> So you're listening to Totally Useless Information with Nick and Roy. Today we talked about uh, money. We talked about garden. We talked about expressions. It's time for the news. And now, from around the corner and around the world... King Charles III, the newly crowned King Charles III, does not travel without his teddy bear or his toilet seat. A former valet for King Charles shared that the royal travels with his teddy bear that, and needs to be tucked into his bed, even as an adult. Oh, no. Okay. He always travels with a trusted companion and a throne. I something was wrong with him. And a throne that's fit for the king. The king is known to, is known to have um, an outrageous list of demands, you think? But it was recently revealed that King Charles III also doesn't like square ice cubes. Oh, my God. And he does travel with his childhood teddy bear. Christopher Anderson, the author of The King, The Life of Charles III, said that the beloved bear... I knew his cousin, Hans Christian. <laughs> right, another great storyteller. <laughs> he said that the beloved bear has been by Charles's side since he was a very small child. It was even guarded by one of the Charles' most trusted valets. Michael Fawcett, yeah. who was in charge of caring for the beloved bear, well into the king's adulthood. So whenever the toy needed mending, a designated nanny made the necessary repairs. Oh, my God. 
God. The only person who's allowed to mend King Charles' teddy bear is his childhood nanny, Mabel Anderson. This tune-up would occur when Charles was well- I know. That's Hans, Hans Christian's cousin. Right. Mabel Anderson. <laughs> that's right. It's all in the Anderson family. The tune-up would occur when Charles was well into his 40s, and every time that the teddy needed to be repaired, you would think it was his own child having major surgery. He was really concerned about the well-being of this teddy bear. And this man is running England. At night, uh, the the, uh, the valet would lay out the king's pajamas and before he went to bed for peaceful sleep. I guess he'd rather look at that bear than to see <laughs> his wife Camilla. Camilla Bear. <laughs> now, the Royals also rumored to travel with a custom-made toilet seat. Oh, don't even tell me His this. favorite toilet paper, ice trays, and personal chef. When he goes to dinner parties at other people's homes... What does he, he do? Put the ice cubes up his... Uh, no, no, he doesn't uh, in his royal... His bottom? <laughs> does he place them in his bottom, Nick? He, he puts them in his royal asset. So. He, when he plays with the old Paddington, <laughs> while he's on the toilet seat, he's bouncing the Paddington up and down <laughs> on his... <laughs> On his royal junk. That's right. <laughs> so he would go to a dinner party and often bring his own chef. So never mind bring your own bottle. He brings, it's not BYOB. Oh, it's, no. It's BYOC. So he goes to somebody's house and brings it. Oh, well, see, I'd invite him. Yeah. Just have the chef cook for everybody. That's right. No, <laughs> but the chef only cooks for the king. Yeah, can you imagine, too, what they, they bring a whole team of people to the... Uh, excuse me, I need to use the bathroom. Can I change the toilet seat out as well? <laughs> it's know. a team, just like in a, in a race car, in the NASCAR pit, where you have like a pit crew. He's got like a toilet seat crew to, to, do, uh, to switch. He said, I don't like square ice cubes. I like them rounded on the edges because they don't hurt as much going <laughs> in. <laughs> it's the Royal <laughs> Ice Suppository. Wow. <laughs> My goodness. So... <laughs> So anyway, so instead of BYOB, it's BYOC, bring your own chef. (laughs) Or or BYOC, bring your own cube. That's right. So they also carry around around ice trays that brought them wherever he goes because he doesn't like the clinking sound that square cubes make. Could you imagine? Anyway, he's been waiting for seven decades but he can really associate with the normal people, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, 100%. So yeah, he's, been he's wait- just a regular guy. Waiting no, for he's seven... He's a regular guy with Dumbo ears. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Allegedly. So for seven decades, he's been waiting to take the throne and literally with his own toilet seat. He wow. has an acquired taste for finer things. He wants what he wants when he wants it. King Charles III. Wow, crazy. That's all the time that we have for this uh, episode of Totally Useless Information with Nick and Roy. Roy and I right now will go and install our own toilet seats as we scour the Internet and other sources to gather more useless information for you next time. So, tally-ho and knock up all your friends and tell them to listen to the show. (laughs) Did you say knock up all your friends? What? No. Knock up means to call. Oh, okay. Well, knock up. That call is to knock somebody up. Yes, so tell the people what they need to do. They need to go to nickandroy.com. That they need to do. They need to click on birthdays, too. Guys, get the birthday for your friends. It is so cool. It is really, really the most unique gift ever. And it's it's inexpensive. So jump on nickandroy.com. I'm Nick. And I'm Roy. Thanks for listening. 
Totally Useless Information with Nick and Roy is a production of nickandroy.com. Visit nickandroy.com to access the full library of episodes or wherever you get your podcasts.